And speaking of gravity, on this podcast, we talk about mental health and how everything affects everything. With every episode, the goal is to have a conversation that will make you think, make you feel, and make you do what's best for you. This isn't therapy, it's a podcast. And we're back for another episode for Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, today we got a special, special guest with her, with us. Um, I've been watching her for a while. That sound real stalkerish when I say that. No, but, I don't feel that way. <laughs> um, I'm a therapist, and so uh, I always follow a lot of different therapists. But she's really, really close to home uh, here in South Carolina, uh, Columbia. So. Wanted to kind of uh, have her on the episode, reached out to her, and we were finally able to get our schedules aligned so that she can come in and um, give her wealth of knowledge um, about um, daddy issues. That's what we're here for today. Daddy issues, exploring father-daughter relationships. Yes. Um, And of course, we'll probably get into some other parent-siblings relationships as well. Mm -hmm. But we have with us Christian Jackson, Jackson, mm-hmm. with Couch with Christian. Yeah. Um, that being said, introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Big up yourself. Tell us all about you. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I always like to connect with other therapists as well because part of the mission at Couch with Christian is to make sure that my colleagues know what I'm doing. That's what's up. Because it's important for us to spread the gospel of daddy issues and the daddy issues movement, <laughs> if you will, because um, I feel like my my mission, my calling is to inform treatment. Um, and so a lot of what I do at Couch with Christian is, yes, the daddy issues movement is up and running. Um, it is based on my books here, Daddy Issues, How to Detangle from the Sins of Our Fathers. I wrote it in 2020. Um, self-published it then, and I've been getting so much support, um, lots of women and men who are reading the book to really learn what daddy issues are. So um, it is a personal story I wrote basically out of being uh, triggered from my own therapy um, sessions and my own therapy clients. They actually were saying a lot of things that were triggering for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we shared a lot of stories. You know, we do very personal work. You bring up our own stuff. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I finally was like, okay, I can't listen to any more bad relationship stories without really bringing my own baggage into my sessions with my clients. So I did the responsible thing and I finally went to therapy. And my therapist asked me to do the um, the assignment that we we ask our, our clients to do, which is write a letter to your father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't really want to do this. But that is how the book was born. And because I've been writing for years, um, I know that I needed to organize and give a name to what daddy issues are. So if you Google daddy issues, then it's salacious material, you know, things that are inappropriate and just kind of like it villainizes and is used to weaponize women, um, especially black women, I believe. And so I wanted to call this what it is, and it is emotional trauma. Sometimes it's physical trauma or the implications of sexual abuse and things like that. And so I needed to put a clinical spin on it. 
daddy issue symptoms. So I made a list of what daddy issue symptoms are based on PTSD, um, reactive attachment disorder, separation anxiety, really trying to give research-based language to what daddy issues really is. And so I talk a lot about attachment, which is I think we're probably going to get into yeah, later yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really want people to have a solid definition of what daddy issues are and how to treat it. So in between each chapter, I'm giving you practical tools and tips on how to deal with how daddy issues are showing up in your marriage and while you're dating and as a parent and as an employee. So it's really to shift the conversation. Oh God. So if I bring it back, we're shifting the narrative, okay? To what daddy issues are, because let me make this a word now. Sometimes we do get choked up and you don't want to use your voice, right? Okay. But you just got to keep it moving because it just is what it is, right? It's just okay. life. So, um, yeah. Great recovery. Great <laughs> Listen, recovery. I'm not new to this. I'm true to this, right? So, <laughs> By training, you are I'm a... I'm a licensed professional counselor. Okay. How long? Um, I've been licensed probably for almost 10 years. Okay. Um, so you went from... <coughs> well, I guess you could say... Uh, kind of give me... A little uh, background, like undergrad, grad. Yes, I can do that. Um, I went to Winthrop University. Okay. Got my um, undergrad in psychology. Went on and got my master's at Walden University in clinical mental health counseling. And so I'm a LPC, <clears throat> licensed professional counselor by training. I'm also a licensed professional counselor supervisor. So um, tomorrow, actually, I'll be having supervision with my people, my supervisees. So for those who don't know, that's just people who are trying to get their full license in South Carolina. So they have to get a certain number of hours, as you know. It's like a residency for a therapist. So before you're fully licensed, then you have to be under the supervision of someone who's fully licensed like me. And so one of the things I love to do is train, (coughs) excuse me, and teach. Because again, as therapists who have been in the game for a minute, we get to influence up and coming professionals. And it's one of my favorite things to do. So as I've been really learning who I am as a professional, then I think I've finally been able to kind of come up with a niche in a way that I want to influence mental health Mm -hmm. and how I want to make sure that I am giving what I know I didn't receive, right? Mm. (laughs) That's really um, how Couch with Christian was born. I want to offer services and access to care in a way that I did not necessarily get or really know. And so the past few years have been me really niching down to daddy issues. Nobody talks about daddy issues the way I do. Um, And I say that with um, pride and because of daddy issues, you know, the confidence piece and things like that. I know I wouldn't been able to say that 10 years ago. And there's, of course, you know, as a master's, you know, you get your master's degree and all that. There are things they don't teach us in the textbooks. A whole lot. You got to go out there and get that for yourself. You do. You have to get the experience and the training and seek the knowledge. And so what I really do love about just the landscape of our industry is that there are so many different avenues we can take. And frankly, that we have to take as therapists because it's taboo. It's a stigma. And so... Even with me talking about daddy issues the way that I do now, um, I've shifted so that I'm talking about why your relationships suck. Mm. <laughs> you know, because even me being, I'm saying, hey, I'm talking about daddy issues, and sometimes I can put you in the gut, and then I'm, I'm losing people. And so I had to learn, I think, really more seriously in the last probably seven months 
talking about daddy issues in a different way. Mm. So it's you recovering from, you know, the hey big head text and you keep falling for the hey big head or you triggered because your I man. I have no idea put. what text that is. <laughs> it's like, you know. Some of us do. Somebody's listening to know what that somebody text is. Somebody know what that means. And for those of you who don't know, that's when your ex comes through, you know, it's cuffing season mm. and they're bored, you know, and they're they're hitting you up because they, you know, y'all broke up, but I know she probably going to give me something. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then you just kind of roll back into the old routine. So those are the women, these are what women are telling me in their sessions. So I'm really, I'm more intentional now pulling those things out and leading with that. And then when you come through, then we're going to talk through your daddy issues. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, so I've tried to really kind of shift the way I talk about it. But I started out in substance abuse. So I understand addiction and medical model. And some of that's appropriate when you're mm. talking about making the same mistakes over and over again when we're talking about relationships. And so um, I also work for a rape crisis center. <clears throat> For a while, I did a lot of volunteering there, first before I was hired, and then I worked with some interdisciplinary um, teams, you know, other, like, social workers or medical doctors and things like that. Again, I've always wanted to inform mental health in a different way and knowing that we have to connect with other professionals in order to do it. So kind of like a hodgepodge of things, um, a lot of experience that I think I'm now streamlining and um, able to offer a unique service. Yeah. So it's been fun. So based on uh, all of your experiences, you say you're streamlining things and kind of focusing in on mm -hmm. um, uh, daddy issues. So I wanted to uh, see when you come in here, we record your voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pull something <clears throat> from, uh, and I follow her on Instagram pretty heavy, mm -hmm. um, but you gave uh, a live and you said something that, that caught my intention mm -hmm. and we have a, a segment where we call it we call it twitter discussions because typically i get it from from twitter but mm -hmm. in your case i got it from instagram mm -hmm. you said for those of you who do have a list that could be avoidance you may be avoiding <coughs> love altogether mm -hmm. so can you kind of break that down or let's 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 dialogue Ooh, about yeah. that um, where was that from? How mm -hmm. did you? Well, I know how you got there, but yeah. for the people that that don't follow you, how did you come to that conclusion, or how did you get on on that particular phrase that I just shared? Oh yes, okay. So um, thank you for reminding me about what I was talking about because yeah. <laughs> I get on live and random on my IG, and I just be like, oh, I got a thought. Yeah. Let me let me share this. So I think I was watching Love Is Blind. That's what's up. I'm watching it right now. Season four. It okay. is unlike any season we've ever seen. It's so messy. And juicy. So anyway, I think I was talking about Tiffany and Brett, um, and they were in the pods. And Tiffany was talking about she's she's a thirty six year old woman like me, mm -hmm. and she you know she believes she's supposed to be at a certain point in her life. You know, married by kids this, by the age of thirty six. Yes. Okay, like you know society tells us. And so she was talking about how she was in the pods with Brett. And she realized that she's falling in love with this man who is the opposite of what she believes she should have. So, you know, I don't think I caught whether or not he has a degree or not, but she was talking about the he, fact he, that... He did not. Okay. He did not. So she was talking about how she had this list, these things, where, you know, he's supposed to have a degree and a certain job and a certain look and all these things. And, of course, the experiment of Love is Blind is that you don't know anything yeah. about what they have going on or you don't ask those questions or see their faces. And so I was making that comment because it's always nice to hear that she, it's nice to hear that she took the pressure off of herself 
And she kind of led with her heart. She took the pressure off of herself when she got away from her list well, she that got she away originally from the had. List. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that she shouldn't have a list. Yeah, so standards. It's just mm-hmm. your list. Your list can be <clears throat> flexible, is what you were saying. Yes, okay. and our lists, and this is why I'm, I specialize in trauma. So I don't. I didn't really say that, but so I, I look at everything through that trauma lens. That's how I treat. That's how I talk and teach. And her list could have been made out of a trauma response. So let's say that she is making decisions because she wanted to keep herself safe from whatever danger or threat she may have had. So her list in her mind, if we're just going to, I'll just call it what it is. I'm just going to make this up. Let's say that she's had experiences where she did not feel protected. She did not feel safe or valuable unless I had someone who had their things together. That is something that she learned a long time ago. It's a narrative that she um, bought into So to her, if we simplify it, having a degree means I'm safe. If this man has a degree and I'm safe, he can provide for me. And it's as simple as that because our brains, as complex as they are, it simplified it, right? Mm -hmm. So somehow she learned, this is what I need to have a successful relationship. And so I really encourage people to consider and stop and slow down and consider where's your list or your standards coming from, which standards are okay to have, but I'm also wondering, like, is this made from a trauma response? Or, did you know, if I had a traumatic experience and I'm stunted at 16, and sometimes I'll say, girl, you dating like a 12-year-old because <laughs> you're letting your 12-year-old self make decisions, make this list. So for Tiffany, I wonder when she made this list. Is it, like, is it your 16-year-old self that made this list? Um, when did you stop to update it? And it sounds like Love is Blind helped pause her enough to say, I could actually be happy without having all these things. And you see later in the episodes how her anxiety is so high. She yeah. wanted to be married and yeah. all the things. But then she said, I don't even want a wedding because of the stress of that. Possibly because she slowed down enough to actually consider those things. So that, that avoidance piece that I made in that quote that you gave, it a, a criteria for PTSD is avoidance. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to not deal with this at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so in order for her to have a list, it keeps you busy. Like I like I, I personally like having a checklist. So I'm like, I'm going to check this off. I like you know going through my things. Um, because if I stop, then that means I actually have to deal with this thing. Or I have to think about whatever this is. <laughs> so for those of us who are recovering from relationship trauma, there are women that I treat who are single and some who are married and feel single or just period, just in between relationships. A lot of the decisions we're making are because we don't stop enough to really sit with what this self needs because it's going to be different than what your 15-year-old self needed. You know, it's interesting. When you, when you said trauma and then you said relationship trauma, mm-hmm. it don't have to necessarily be some real big, great trauma like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, abuse or something right, like that. It right. can, when you say relationship trauma, can you bring that out a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then I'm thinking about, first of all, I'm, I'm glad you made that point because I've started also kind of adding to the conversation that it's not, um, it could be a significant event. Right, just major enough to shift the way you look at things. Mm. Um, if Ooh, I'm going to think a, that's about that's a word right there, okay. just major enough mm-hmm. for you to shift your way of thinking. Yeah, and uh, you may not call it trauma, yeah. right? And so when I'm teaching and I'm talking to people, I'm like, nobody can tell you what trauma is. 
Like, if you say that you being called ugly in sixth grade was traumatic for you, it was traumatic for you. Because from then on, you probably stopped talking to people. Like, your confidence level went down, and you can imagine how that affects you. So some people will tell us, especially in the black community, oh, that was nothing. We always talk to each other like that. Mm. Um, and it's not fair for people outside of you to name what you, your experience is. You're right. the expert on your life. Like, I, I used to call myself the daddy issues expert. And, you know, as therapists, we are experts in mm-hmm. a field. Mm-hmm. But our clients are the expert on their lives, right? So right. I learned from them and let them tell me. Um, so as far as relationship trauma goes or significant experiences in relationships, then I think about um, not being able to use your voice, so if I've been in a relationship where I was giving of myself all the time, so I'm thinking about attachment now, and I'm going to just tell myself, um, someone who has an, an anxious attachment lean, me, which means I sacrifice a lot of what I need and what um, I want and what I know what's best for me so that my partner is happy. Mm-hmm. I'm growing, y'all, okay? I've, I've done well to kind of come out of that, but because of what I've learned watching my parents interact when they were married and growing up and then daddy and mommy separating and all those things, then, of course, part of my daddy issues are I'm questioning myself. I don't know what it means to keep somebody in my life. So if I were good enough then, daddy would have stayed. So, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm operating from that traumatic experience or at least learning as a kid that the only way to get daddy's attention is to do this. And for me, daddy meant security. And so if I'm with my now husband, uh, we were dating at the time, in order for me to keep this man in my life, then I need to do this for him, which he never asked me to do. And so that was also kind of like, and sometimes it's still a, uh, a point of contention between us because I may react a certain way and he'll say, I don't need all of that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're okay. You know, that comes up in different ways. But a relationship trauma, quote unquote, or a significant experience in our lives are going to inform the way we show up in our relationships. And so that is really a lot more of what I'm talking about now. And so when I have a client come in or they're coming into your grace space, then we're talking about where you learn those messages. So we, we've been talking kind of around it. Mm-hmm. Right now, define <clears throat> daddy issues mm-hmm. or daddy. Yeah. Fine, daddy define issues. Look, let me go to my issues. book. Okay. Because. Perfect. That's even, that's, yeah, perfect. Because <laughs> I wrote this a long time ago, and it's even updated since I wrote it. But daddy issues, symptoms. We need to have language. We need to have clinical language so that I say, when I go to my therapist, I'm dealing with this. Can you help me with it, right? Um, daddy issues, as far as I, it, according to CJ, right, are a cluster of symptoms that help us to understand how and why we show up a certain way. So if we are going to look at, like, criteria A, and when you all go get the book, you'll see it, right? The physical and or emotional presence of a father all the way up to the overbearing physical Mm -hmm. and emotional presence, right? So we're looking at a range. I believe in spectrums now, okay? And so everything in between, you name that. Because how many of us know that somebody can be there for you and not be there for you? (laughs) Because I have a lot of conversations with people who are like, I had my dad in my life, and we'll get to that. So this is the first defining moment. My dad's there, he's not there, whatever, then I'm going to, it's going to result in feelings of thoughts of abandonment, and there's extreme stress, there's thoughts and feelings of worthlessness, and then there's confusion and difficulty making decisions slash 
the ability to trust my own judgment, right? So if my dad was there, wasn't there emotionally or physically and everywhere in between, how does that affect the way that I receive um, feedback at a job? Or like I had a session this morning where she, she and I have worked through her daddy issues, and I have to say this up front too, even for myself, right? Um, I thought I worked through this, Christian, but then I saw my ex with her, his new girlfriend, mm. and now feeling like I wasn't chosen. So now we got to go work through the go grace back. method, right? Yeah. We got to go back and figure it out because we are therapists not trying to get rid of anxiety. We are trying to teach our clients to cope, <laughs> you know, because you can't get rid of life. Like, triggers just right. happen. And so daddy issues are defined as, like, first of all, thinking about that range and that spectrum and how it triggers that rejection, how it triggers abandonment, and then your feelings of trusting yourself. It, it, it's going to feel like you are not enough sometimes. So now we're looking at self-worth. So then the second criteria is the presence of a father where the relationship was unhealthy, specifically unhealthy, and it's resulting in that stress. We're talking about anything I would consider a PTSD. So if you're thinking about like a flashback of the time when daddy was there or the time he said or didn't say or whatever it may be. And then you're thinking about the ability to really have and manifest healthy relationships. And so that's really where I've been sitting at, like I said, for a while, as I'm thinking about daddy issues and criteria C here, or section C, where I'm talking about the familial, professional, intimate, and parenting relationships. How are all these things affecting all the different type of relationships you have with your people around you? Because the thing about it is daddy issues, their, their criteria that I have here, it's also comprised of understanding attachment. You can't talk mommy or daddy issues without understanding attachment theory, which in, in some, and if I just simplify it here for people who don't know what attachment theory is, it's really how and why I show up in a relationship. It's based upon a theory that says, what does it look like when I was separated from my parent or a significant caregiver or not? Um, and so I do actually have a training I do with my colleagues called the Roadmap to Secure Attachment, and we're reviewing the attachment theory. And you cannot talk mommy or daddy issues without understanding where did I learn how to respond if I'm separated from my dad or if I'm reunified with my dad, right? So um, later on in the book, then I'm talking about the very next chapter, spiritually, how is it affecting us? So I have a chapter called Earthly Father versus Heavenly Father because my therapist pointed out to me, my therapist at the time, she said, I was telling her, I'm like, yo, I, I'm returning to church because I feel like that's what I've always known. Like I'm just supposed to be, I'm supposed to be with God. He's supposed to fix everything. <laughs> so I'm going to go to church. You don't feel connected, but I'm going to be there, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and she was, and I said, I just have a problem just trusting that it's going to be all right. Now, nah, Kim, her name is Kim. And so she was like, well, no wonder you don't trust God because your earthly father is what we have to really kind of a tangible example of a father. Right. So that's your idea of conceptualizing that kind of relationship. And so God, the way I see it, I'm a God or Christian, right? I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And he's a man. Then our heavenly father and his son. Yeah. You know, I ain't gonna try. I don't care who you is, God, Jesus, you're a man. And yeah. you know, and so you think about how it impacts our ability to trust men here. Mm -hmm. And if a man here is giving me that authority, and I, I talk about in my book how my my father was a spiritual leader in our house. And so my idea of Jesus, God, and how he cares for me was like a, a wagging finger. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't go to God for anything because I'm like, is that what a father is supposed to do? Um, and then I categorize what types of women are, have daddy issues just because I just kind of work better in compartments. So I talk about the daddy's girl. And we got to pause here now because I always get the feedback and the things. So when y'all watch this podcast and the daddy's girls are in your comments, mm -hmm. 
They always got the things to say, Christian, I got a daddy. And I love my daddy. So? So Right. So <laughs> I don't have daddy issues. And I, I have a whole soapbox, and I ain't going to take up your whole time with that. But I do have to say that my daddy's girls are usually the people pleasers and the perfectionists. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. When you say, even whether you, got, whether you have a father or you don't have a father, it basically boils down to how what your perception is mm. of parenting, what your perception is of mm. how they provide. Your perception mm. of that relationship is mm. what's going to lead to daddy issues. Doesn't mean whether they're there. Well, I ain't gonna say it doesn't mean, mm-hmm. but you're not specifically talking about whether they're there or they're not. Exactly. Okay. I think that's a huge part of it. It's how you interpret it, and of course, your interpretation is informed on how you actually experienced your dad. So it's how you're going to take it. Of course, it's all very interconnected. And so if we're thinking about daddy's girls, for example, if my dad doted on me, which y'all dads matter. And I was a daddy's girl at one point. And shout I, out to dads. Okay, shout out to dads. <laughs> and I do sometimes talk about that on my Instagram because I don't want people to think, Couch Christian is a daddy hater. That is not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the significance of a father, which is why I'm pushing and caping for this so much because father-daughter relationships especially are crucial. And so when I'm talking to my daddy's girls and they're, they're like, you know, hey, this is what it is, Christian, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, if he um, doted on you, that's great. And I love that for you. And I wonder how much of a balance there was on criticism. And then sometimes they're like, um, I can't take this man to my dad because he won't like him and I care so much about what he thinks. So now we're getting back into daddy issues, symptoms according to Christian. You don't trust your own judgment. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a perfectionist because if I'm anything less, because your child brain is not mature enough to get it, but that's where our messages stick. Now as an adult, you know, like I don't probably, I probably don't have to be perfect, but as a kid, that's how you've been operating. I need to do this and get these A's and do these things so daddy would notice me because I'm a daddy's girl. He always gives me this praise. Um, and so I'm a people pleaser at this point. And so all of that, that shows up. And so it's on a spectrum. It's on a degree. We also have our gold diggers. I talk about the gold diggers and what they're really looking for, um, which my argument is that part of what they're looking for is security. And I'm wondering how that's connected to daddy issues or the woman on the defense. So I also write about she always has the walls up, right? She's more of our dismissive, avoiding attachment style where I know I want to be in a relationship, at least to have some kind of connection, because I know that's what we're supposed to have. But then also I don't want you in my face, probably because it's modeled by how often and how close her relationship was with her dad or how often she saw him. So as um, in the book, I'm building a foundation for what daddy issues are, the symptoms I'm giving you anecdotes so you know those different categories. You can at me if you'd like. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's how we have the conversation and refine what you are experiencing, people out there in TV land, about what daddy issues are. So as long as we have something to go by, and I'm, it's evolving, even the version here is... Um, a 2020 version, because I've added things about grief and mourning, a certain relationship with your dad. Um, And so that's been added since I've been doing groups in your great space and having conversations. And they'll say, well, Christian, like my dad's not here. And so how do I forgive or work that out when my father's not here? I don't want to speak ill of the dead. You know, we in the South, so Mm -hmm. it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, I've had to evolve, and I love having those conversations because I'm hearing you talk about how you want this space to talk about it. And you're actually considering, like, huh, maybe I do have mommy or daddy issues, and this is what we're talking about, and this is how I would see a Christian. Would you consider adding this, or can you talk about that? That's how we 
nurture our community is going forward and having these solid definitions and experiences that add to what I've just made up and thrown out there, right? So it's it's fun, but we have to have something to talk about, something to build on. And you said uh, earlier, you said um, as far as father, fathers are important, mm-hmm. um, I had here on, on my notes, research has found that mm-hmm. even the smallest moments mm-hmm. of a father-daughter connection can have positive benefits that includes um, body positivity, mm-hmm. romantic relationships, uh, social media, mental health, and academic achievement. Yes. So, and that comes from research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to go find the research, but it is coming from research when they say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, you also said something earlier about the the parent role yes. um, and the the father uh, delivering parenting. What are common issues that you actually see when it comes down to parenting or just in a relationship in general mm-hmm. between a father and a daughter? Uh, you know what? The first thing that pops up is some, speaking of research, is some data that was collected that says that there is a disconnect between a father and daughter when the daughter is going through puberty. <laughs> oh, but you was so just, you, you know, were supposed to warn me on that one because you're hitting home right now. <laughs> you, so you know we got to be yeah. triggered a little bit now. Yeah, but I find that so interesting. When I read that, probably about a year ago, I'm like, dang, that makes sense because for some men, yes, who you know are raised a certain way, yeah, maybe they had a dad or not, mm-hmm. right? Because men have daddy issues too. Mm-hmm. Then. Um, if you was out here for the streets, a womanizer, whatever, and now you have a daughter, um, then you're looking at your daughter and she's 12, 13, she's mm-hmm. making, she's going through some changes, right? Um, she's seeing things differently. And then you see her going through these shifts and changes as a young man, you don't necessarily deal with that, but now you're raising a woman right. who is going to have certain views and her body is changing in a very specific way, different than you. Then that is where we see the dad kind of separating himself from the daughter. So, just mm. FYI. <laughs> yeah, shout out to um, both my daughters, Sydney and Bailey. Um, yes. Sydney's my teenager, so mm-hmm. uh, everything you're saying, it, it hits home. Yeah, hits and home. I, I can imagine. Like, that is probably a difficult time for, I would say, the dad, because it's mm-hmm. almost like you have this helpless feeling. And if you are an involved father, then, of course, it's like, oh, I want to help my baby girl. Mm-hmm. And then it may turn into being like um, an overparent, an overbearing kind of hovering situation. So when, in my chapter about daddy issues and parenthood, I'm talking about the helicopter mom mm-hmm. and how that affected me. My daddy issues affected my parenting. And so a lot of what I'm seeing and hearing from sessions when we're talking through daddy issues are things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's opinion really mattered during this time when I was a teen, but then he didn't really, we didn't, we didn't talk as much. Mm-hmm. And it was really, and I, you know, we talked through the fact that dads are people. And one of my best friends, Jessica Van of Envision Counseling, shout out to her. She always says that parents are just people with kids. <laughs> okay. People with kids. Please give us grace, right? And you know, there's no handbook to this thing. Right. And so, Part of how I started to really forgive and overcome things like my dad and I not really driving through in that year and not hit him and my mom separated when I was like 13, 12. Mm-hmm. And so um, my clients and I are talking about humanizing our fathers. Now, there is a, a different conversation for those of us who have been abused by our fathers. And I mm-hmm. have had a couple clients who were unfortunately sexually abused by their fathers and things like that. It's a whole different conversation. If I just remove abuse for a second and kind of just simplify it, then um, 
if you can see your dad as a human, as someone who, golly, I don't know how to deal with periods, you know, or like what to do. Although, ironically, my dad was the first person he was there and very efficient during my, my first cycle. <laughs> but still, like, I don't know how to deal with all these things, right? Then um, see your dad as a human. Because the parenting issues that come up are likely just an uninformed adult and first time going through those things. And so a lot of it is like us really trying to protect. And what I'm hearing is daddy's trying to protect me. But sometimes, like in my case, my dad, I think, was trying to protect himself more emotionally when it came to what was going down between him and me. And that's what I outlined in the book. You know, uh, as you're saying it, you know, when I'm thinking about myself in particular. Mm-hmm. Is you want your your daughter to grow into a woman. Mm-hmm. You obviously want that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I ain't going to say obviously, but you do want that. Mm-hmm. I, I want that. But in the same token, mm-hmm. you know what comes along with being a woman from a male perspective. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know what it's like from a woman's perspective, but I know there's going to be guys out there looking. I know there's going to be guys out there um, um, ready to to um, to. To you know, jump on her, uh, <laughs> and then you know when you talk about attractability and mm-hmm. you're talking about friends, then you got. When I say talking about friends, mm-hmm. you know you have other people who may or may not have their father there, mm-hmm. so they are they have an idea of what the world is, and that's going to influence your daughter. So it's like it's it's heavy. It is. Uh, it's really heavy, and I love how you say humanize your father because we do have these emotions. Um, mm-hmm. I've been blessed to be in this particular field. Mm-hmm. So my, I'm learning from my clients. I'm learning from other therapists. Mm-hmm. So then I have to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. And prior to you saying that, mm-hmm. just recently it came to me mm-hmm. that I'm not having the conversations that I'm even worried about with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm not just flat out having a conversation. Mm-hmm. If I'm worried about uh, her having sex, if mm-hmm. I'm worried about her being in bad relationships, if I'm worried about the friends that she picked, have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Don't just... Um, um, don't just talk down to her. Don't be condescending. Don't yep. fuss at her necessarily. Just mm-hmm. have the conversation. Just talk. And that you're, you're making me think, I was just thinking this, the parenting out of fear, right? Because mm-hmm. so, if you're not having the conversations, then you're not trusting yourself. So, spoiler, oh. we're, I'm a mom with daddy issues. You're likely a dad with daddy issues to whatever degree. We bring all that stuff into our parenting, which is why I wrote a chapter about it. But one thing that I'm learning is, um, the importance of really catching ourselves because our kids trigger the crap out of us. They just do because mm-hmm. I'm reliving being a 12-year-old <laughs> and a 6-year-old. You are our boys at home. And so I'm like, crap, I wish I would have known this. So sometimes I may over-parent and have too much of a conversation about stuff because I'm like, I really don't want you to go through that. But it's because I'm parenting, parenting out of fear. Um, but I, And at the same time, I'll say, but Carter, I want you to trust yourself after I give him this whole <laughs> dissertation about something, and I'm just like, I just don't want you to hurt like I did, you know. You know, it's so, scary. Kids, you know, they say what's on their mind. Do you want me to trust myself, or do you want me to do what you tell me to do? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They'll say something like that. Um, so what are some strategies, and I guess I just gave one, for improving mm-hmm. um, daddy-daughter relationships? And, you know, we get, we don't just have to keep it to daddy-daughter, because mm-hmm. um, I, I grew up in a two-parent home. Okay. My dad... Uh, passed away early. I was still in college when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I did lose um, some stuff because I wasn't finished learning from it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but how do we improve um, that? Commu- oh, how do we improve the relationships? Mm-hmm. If I'm again, if I'm talking about my dad, you know, my dad wasn't. He wasn't. 
what I try to do now. He don't just sit down and we're going to have these deep intellectual conversations. Now, we did have what we call uh, family discussions every week. So he would set aside a time for the family, and we all gathered together. Oh, I so love that. I was able to take that from him. Mm-hmm. But as far as just sitting down and just talking to me on any random day about whatever, uh, that wasn't something that happened consistently. And then once I got a little bit older in college, I did see it a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. But if I'm trying to improve on what was already given to me, mm-hmm. how do I improve on those that parent-sibling relationship? I'll mm-hmm. say it like that. Okay. I think that um, back to the point about humanizing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have been, I believe, more open about my emotions with my kids um, because my parents weren't, both of them. Mm. So all I saw was like the blow up and the aftermath or mama being sad or dad being pissed off or whatever mm-hmm. and no context. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's confusing for kids. I'm just like, is it me? Did I do something wrong? And so one of the things that I am doing um, as a mother and one thing I'm encouraging my very macho silent, strong, sexy husband to do (laughs) is to share more about his fears, right? Like, it's not a thing that black men, I know, are not permitted to do. And so I think that that is the first thing that we would need to do is improve upon how we are just leaving the open doors of communication. That doesn't mean, like, I can tell my kids I have an open door policy. I have to honor that for sure. Mm. I can tell you that might not be appropriate for now or your age or whatever, but please continue. I'll tell you something, right? Um, But it's more than us telling our kids they have to see it and we have to model that. So like if I I heard my dad say, I'm scared Mm. or I'm nervous or I really care about you and I don't want you to do this instead of all the things that he taught me, which was just don't, 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 Mm. then I think that if I had context to his fear, that I don't think that I would have actually responded the way that I did, which was, oh, he just wants to tell me what to do and not listen to me, you know? Um, We have to model that. So for a daddy-daughter relationship, tell me, hey, baby girl, I'm scared that you would get taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So tell me how, and it would make me feel better if you would tell me how you are planning to protect yourself against this kind of thing because I want you to trust yourself. So what's your plan? Because Mm -hmm. you are smart, I think that you can handle these things. And if you're kind of questioning about it, let me help you. And if I'm saying something that's offensive to you, you let me know. Um, because I think we're, we are kind of, we're, act, we're just getting to the point where we're okay with going to a therapist. <laughs> so now you can go to the therapist, but now, you know, when they come to our couch, it's like, am I going to talk to this? <laughs> am I going to be truthful? <laughs> am I going to tell everything? Like, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can go to the counselor but that don't mean you're gonna talk so then a lot of what we have to do i'm sure is this rapport building like sis first of all i'm trying to keep my license and Mm -hmm. i ain't feel to nobody nothing you right um but i want you to know it's okay for you to say that you're tired of your kids Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i and i tell my kids that i'm like yo bro i need an hour y'all get in my (laughs) you know because mommy wants to be her best it's not because i don't love you go play ninja turtles come back 
right? But I just want you to know that mommy needs a break too. It's about humanizing ourselves because then all the blunders that are daddy issues that result in all the things I mentioned earlier, they would be more understandable. Then it won't be the kid trying to make up stuff because that's what trauma does is have you making up all these stories because your brain has to latch on to something. Whether it's rational or not, our brains automatically need to make up a story to say, okay, this is why. Mm -hmm. But if we're telling them and our kids aren't guessing, then it makes more sense. You know, you're actually feeding a narrative way early instead of them being on somebody's couch 30 years later talking about everything that was wrong, <laughs> you know? Um, how do we, or before I even ask that question, mm-hmm. um, going back to to what you were saying about in general African-American men mm-hmm. don't, they just don't share their, their feelings. They don't just share their emotions, yeah. right? Um, and I like even on the show that we was referencing earlier, Love is Blind, mm-hmm. they had a moment where those guys, African-American oh, yeah. men came I together and they mm-hmm. were sharing their feelings and they were, they were, Oh, they were sh- talking about, hey, we don't normally do this in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can start with you. Mm-hmm. Period, point blank. Who's yep. ever listening to this? And I think uh, when I go look at the stats, about 60% of the guys, I mean, 60% of my audience mm-hmm. are African American men. Oh. So if, hey, you're yo, out hey. there, <laughs> if you're out there listening, mm-hmm. it starts with you. Mm-hmm. You can share your emotions first, and whether it's a group text, whether it's a group chat. You know, y'all on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a monthly meeting every Wednesday now. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all can come uh, holler at me, um, call me, mm-hmm. and start sharing those feelings. Mm-hmm. Get used to it so then it's a lot easier, as you say it, to mm-hmm. then give it to those people that surround you, the yeah. people that's important to you, your kids, your wife, and, and, and your relatives. Mm-hmm. That being said, is it ever too late Ooh. for a dad to fix the relationships. Oh, come on. That's it. It's kind come of a, on, it, it could possibly be a trick question. Um, and, and when we're talking, uh, unfortunately, we're talking in a general sense. Everybody's situation is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, as I'm asking this question, I'm not necessarily thinking about somebody who was physically abused, right, right. sexually abused, some of the more extreme things. Yeah. Because that's a totally different topic and conversation. Um, that we can we can have a whole pot episode oh, yeah, on within could, itself, yeah. but I'm talking about in general. Yeah, relationships. Is it ever too late for a dad? Mm. Okay, so the reason why I had that reaction is because I don't think I said it, but my dad and I are still not talking. Mm. So you triggered me, man. Okay, I am I- so <laughs> sorry. Um, it's okay. He's still alive, just we're not speaking. And it's not something that I am happy about. And if I, so my, it's a twofold answer, I guess, or it's long. It's long, no. Okay, I don't think it's too late. Um, I say that because with the knowledge I have now, and I'm, you know, I'm trained as a therapist. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm just like, you know, because of our situation, I don't believe that it's too late, but I do have stipulations. Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries. Okay. We have a strong boundary now, but really <laughs> I have a standard. So if you going to come back into my life after everything that I have experienced with you, Dad, then there are certain things that he would have to say, certain walls he would have to put down. Now, that, that goes both ways mm-hmm. because I was not 
innocent in delivering certain messages myself. Like, I would cuss daddy out. You know, I was really pissed off, right? Huh. You have to read the book to see. I saw your face, right? Yeah, that, that hurt my um, soul. And I am going to read the book. Yes. <laughs> um, so just like I would expect him to put certain walls down, him to say certain things and acknowledge certain things, because you cannot possibly build a relationship, especially where we are now, without re- we can't build trust with certain things that he is kind of holding close to the chest. I, on my hand, on my end, I would want to know what he needs for me in order for us to have a relationship. So I'm not above that by any means. I have to be willing to give. So yes, it's possible for a dad to come back into someone's life, but you have to be ready to come correct. And you have to be willing to say those things that were motivating however you treated your daughter. And as the daughter, I'll speak for myself, I'm willing to hear what you have to say about how you can hear me. Um, And so that comes with growth, lots of therapy, right? Me being tired of being tired and having my relationships have um, turned out certain ways. You know, you get tired of that. Um, And I know where it's stemming from. So for the average person who is not a therapist, Mm -hmm. then... I would I would encourage you to explore why the walls are up. If you're like, this is it, daddy can't come back in my life, I would invite that person to explore the fear motivating that decision. Are you scared to get hurt? Because that's life. You're going to get hurt whether daddy comes in your life or not. So do you not trust yourself to be able to do the hard thing and actually handle fear? What is actually? What are you actually afraid of? Because the thing about trauma is most likely because trauma is not supposed to happen. Like major things, mm-hmm. they're just unpredictable. You have survived that thing. It's likely not going to happen the same way or in the same way, so you're safe. So what is it that you really are afraid of? And that goes back to you trusting yourself and understanding that it's important to manage your expectation. So if you think, okay, daddy coming back in my life, even me, knowing my knowing my father, I know he ain't finna come back with all the rose petals and all the nice things, right? I know that. I have to manage my expectations. I'm not thinking, I'm sorry, baby girl, it's gonna ever happen again. So manage that. Do you really think that he's going to come back and it's going to be a perfect apology? And what are you willing to apologize for? So it's really a lot of preparing the self for what you're willing to be uh, exposed about yourself. Because I'm sure, daughter, you probably have said or did some things that were not um, the best way of doing stuff. And that's okay. It's not about the blame or shame of it all. Like not blaming myself or shaming myself for being a bad daughter for cussing my daddy out. It's about I have daddy issues an issue with my daddy because daddy's got issues, right? Yes. Okay. So if I acknowledge all those things and I recognize I'm in this certain place of, okay, I'm ready to forgive, then I have to take responsibility. That's what it is. I'm taking responsibility by going to therapy, talking to my husband, asking him what he's seeing in me um, that I still am stubborn about. My husband just told me the other day, you just have a problem listening. And that is like my my thing (laughs) like I don't feel safe unless you have to show me and that's in my marriage of seven years and being together for 17 like you know it's Mm -hmm. it's something that kind of comes up but I'm taking responsibility for it and having conversations so now in my marriage we'll talk about it rather than me like storming out and not ever having the conversation that would be Christian 10 years ago might have did that but Um, uh, you said 17 years of marriage 17 years together. We've been married seven years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife celebrated 17 mm-hmm. years. Um, well, by the time this, this podcast come out, it'll be a month later, but um, uh-huh. it was just yesterday. Happy um, So, uh, And she was out of town with my, mm-hmm. with my daughter. 
Sydney, um, took her <laughs> mom away from me. Um, but anyway, um, we're going to kind of uh, ease, uh, leave this uh, here at this spot. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to do another episode. We're going to have to come to you. <laughs> but I think we're gonna have to do another episode because you know we did talk a lot about daddy daughter relationships, man, and mm-hmm. we also referred often to um, men, men having men daddies daddy having issues, issues yes. um, within themselves, and I I definitely want to kind of key in on that piece as well. So hopefully uh, we can get together before the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, and have a second episode just to follow up. I, I just gotta really. Strong feeling that this is going to be one of my higher rated mm-hmm. um, shows because this is this is a big topic. It is. Um, and we, we can do it for Father's Day. Okay, that would be a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, Daddy issues isn't in our DSM five. It's not. But mm-hmm. as she said earlier, reference earlier is along the lines of attachment styles, knowing attachment styles, and uh, and knowing the relationship mm-hmm. that you have with your parent, mother, or 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 dad. Mm-hmm. All right, so to end, um, please mm-hmm. tell them how they can get your book. Oh, yes. And, so, and how they can find you on social mm-hmm. media and stuff like that. All right. Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Super excited. I love having these conversations and having my face in front of new audiences. So, <laughs> hey, y'all, you are now officially part of the Couch Crew. Okay, follow Couch with Christian um, on Instagram and Facebook and you can also find me at couchwithchristian.com. That's where you can get the book and the workbook. Um, but um, if you want to prime the book, then it's on Amazon. So you can prime Daddy Issues, How to Detangle from the Sins of Our Fathers. It'll get to you in a couple of days if you're an Amazon Prime member. Um, I do want to leave you guys with this. Um, Grace saved my life. Grace is at the end of my book. It is an acronym. I have a system called the Grace Method, okay? And it's something I'm pushing a lot more lately because I want to make sure you guys know I'm not just out here giving you the problem and not the solution. So the Grace Method is a system that I've developed. It's an acronym for getting to know your symptoms is a G. Okay, follow me. Uh, Rescripting your negative messages, addressing self-care needs, connecting with healthy people, and enforcing proper boundaries. So my clients and I, if we're working one-on-one or if we're working in my group settings, then we're working the GRACE method because if for all of the information that we talked about today, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So the GRACE method is how I simplify it. And just this morning, I had a session. So I'm like, okay, sis. You have been triggered for your abandonment because your man, your old man got a new girl. And so now you're kind of like in the space of I'm not feeling chosen. So let's get to know this symptom. This is a, getting to know this symptom and this trigger. So we're going back to the G. What messages do we need to rescript around this? And it just gives us a way like a step by step to actually work through those daddy issue symptoms. Your grace space is um, at my link tree and on my website at Couch with Christian. It is a an intentional community of women that I am launching. Um, I have a monthly group. It's called Your Grace Space, where we nurture our confidence so that we can show up in all of our relationships the way we want to. So, yes, we talk about daddy issues. I've recently been asked to talk about mommy issues. <laughs> and so I do have I would, now, love, to, I would love to hear more yeah, about that as well. More about it. Yeah. I just did my professional development training. It's called Resolving the Parent Trap. Because I'm calling the parent trap mommy and daddy issues. So okay. um, I really wanted to talk to my colleagues about both mommy and daddy issues because... They come up a lot, and I have people who say, I don't, I don't know, my mama, especially black uh, moms and daughters, especially, that is a big thing. Because you're a mom, 
likely with daddy issues, mm -hmm. raising your kids, right? Mm -hmm. So that I couldn't ignore that anymore. And frankly, I had to have a conversation with my mom about my own mommy issues before I actually rolled that out. So now there are mommy issue symptoms, but you know that's a different conversation. Um, I'm I'm honored to be. We might have to do a series. <laughs> I know. With just couch like. with Christian. We got to do a series with you. Just I'll you. be happy to because I really want to make sure that we are informing care in a way that's never been talked about before mm -hmm. because these are what our clients are telling us they need. And so who are we with our licenses not to address get this them. feedback and mm -hmm. address it? So mm -hmm. I hope y'all follow me at Couch with Christian. I'm excited. And uh, as she said, Couch with Christian, that's a very unique name. Um, and it's on all her um, social media, her mm -hmm. website, uh, Facebook, Instagram. She has a YouTube channel. But Linktree, if y'all know anything about Linktree, mm -hmm. um, Back was it was it forward slash backslash? I don't know how they say that, but couch with Christian link tree. Um, we'll have to try to put that up on the show notes or either on the, the screen, okay. um, just so people can get in contact with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you uh, for coming out to take the time to, to be with us. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. For the audience, uh, subscribe to Speaking with Gravity on Facebook or Instagram. We're going to try to continue to bring people such as Christian and other people to talk about issues. Um, I'm not an expert in this particular field. Am I aware of attachment styles? Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we talked about it in uh, several different episodes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to go to an expert for certain things. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things. If you really, if that's what you want to go for, then you need to look her up because she's, if she's calling herself an expert, or if she's declaring this as her lane, then she's always learning about it. She's mm -hmm. always connecting it. Uh, and then, you know, if you've been listening to this whole episode, you know that she has a plethora of experience in, in other areas that she can bring it all together. But subscribe to Speaking with Gravity on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, we have 61 Rentals uh, with Taisha. If you ever need a 360 booth with the red carpet, reach out to her. All of that's going to be in the Ooh, show notes. The red carpet yeah, with the red carpet. Um, Kodak Ready Consultant, and that's another one of our uh, hosts. Mm -hmm. um, she is she does like solution focused um, oh, work. Find her. She does uh, solution focused work, mm -hmm. and then we have a, a fourth member, a fourth host. His name is uh, Joshua Williams Garvey. Is his. Uh, is his nickname, but he has a YouTube channel where he goes around and talks to people mm -hmm. and just talks talk about stuff like what is uh, perspective. Um, and, and so he, he has a, a lot of different questions that make people think in that moment. Mm -hmm. So And it's called Let's Talk About It, so go check him out. Thank you to Winston, who records uh, us and makes us sound really, really, really good. Oh. Um, so if you're listening, if you're looking at this on YouTube, that's one of the ways, but then you can go to your favorite platform and listen at us. And it sounds really, really good And when we're in the car. Um, Gravity Counselor <laughs> Group, um, check us out um, also for... Um, individual, family, and um, the group therapy uh, that I'm working with with men. All right. I think I covered everything. This is my May um, Mental Health Awareness Month. This is my last episode for this particular season. We'll start back up after the summer. Uh, so we're going to take a little break here. But I'm so glad we ended with a bang. Uh, with, with with Christian, so I'm the bang. Yeah. yeah, thank you for coming out. Um, thank you for listening to us. You could be and do, you can be doing anything, listening to anything besides us. But you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. <laughs>